This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 370. Joshua Peters on X Factor Hypnosis. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Do you ever find that pattern where you find yourself procrastinating and there's a specific number of things you ought to be doing, and instead you find everything instead you can distract yourself with to not really do those things you really ought to be doing? And for many of you out there where perhaps hypnosis is also your business as much as it is your passion, it's easy for us to often fall into this kind of shiny object syndrome and not really dive into the stuff we really ought to be doing to really serve our clients and yes, indeed, grow our businesses. I'm Jason Lynette. Welcome back to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast. And this is a major theme in the conversation you're about to hear me have with Joshua Peters. I've known Josh for a number of years and like myself, also primarily works with business owners, people in business, entrepreneurs as his clientele. And it's interesting to hear his journey here of, in some ways, being introduced to hypnosis at a relatively young age, and then by a few chance encounters, it kept popping up, and then finally deciding, you know what, I'm going to go after us, and got some outstanding training, and the rest really then writes itself. What's really a cool takeaway inside of here is this desire for ongoing learning, this desire as well to become in some ways, an ongoing resource for our clients, not necessarily in the ways that it's how many more sessions can I do with you until the end of time. Instead, the ways that we can make use of technology to further advance the hypnotic experience and really give our clients a skill set, not just a solution. Let's give them both, really, at the end of the day. So you can find details of how to connect with Joshua over at the show notes. This is episode number 370, so simply head over to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 370, 370, and that'll bring you right over there to see exactly how to connect with Josh. And while you're there too, check out worksmarthypnosislive.com. This is the live and online training that I share with people and currently sharing the stage once again with Richard Nongard on these events to really help people to become confident, competent, flexible, and really intuitive inside of their hypnotic processes. That it's this challenge often at times in terms of how do you teach creativity? How do you teach people to work interactively on the fly without necessarily engaging, let's say, an earpiece and uh, hanging out secretly and whispering things to them? as lovely as that may sound. Instead, it's about understanding the core skill set and beginning from a foundation of evidence-based hypnosis. That's why I share the stage at these events now with Dr. Richard Nongard, though also from my style of things, a change process based upon hypnotic phenomenon. Because think about this, whether your client is primarily visually oriented, auditory, or kinesthetic, the fact is, they can feel the problem is present. And that feeling is telling them something needs to happen. So it kind of makes sense to make use of a process of hypnosis in which the kinesthetics, the feelings are massively activated. So we're getting rid of the game of fingers crossed, hope it worked, let me know next week. And instead, they can ratify that something is different even before the session wraps up. 
And also, if you want more confidence working with clients online, kind of makes sense to learn hypnosis online. So you can learn more, head over to worksmarthypnosislive.com. If you're listening to this episode as it releases in April of 2022, we have an event coming up later this year in September. If you're listening beyond the year of 2022, website will still be there, just might look different. Uh, it'll have other dates. So either way, head over to worksmarthypnosislive.com. And with that, let's jump directly into this week's episode. Here we go. Session number 370, Joshua Peters on X-Factor Hypnosis. For me, it was a book in my middle school library. Uh, that taught me some self-hypnosis, and I was really fascinated by it. My dad ha was a, uh, a kind of an amateur stage magician, so I kind of always had this interest in stage magic, and it seemed like there was some kind of connection with hypnosis. Um, so I used it to, you know, to relax and do better on tests and some relatively simple things, and then kind of forgot about it. Uh, over the years, uh, there were different times where hypnosis would show up for me uh, as an opportunity to to study either on the both on the performance side or on the therapeutic side. But I was just never in the right place or time to to do that. And then in 2014, I had uh, made a big move, moved from uh, Wisconsin to Minnesota, and was kind of trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And uh, I believe it was a Facebook ad showed up for a local hypnotherapy training institute. And um, I contacted them. I met with uh, the hypnotist and we just like hit it off. I just started to realize that if I could make my life about uh, empowering other people, and I could do it a lot faster than it took me because I had my own <laughs> struggles over life, then that would, oh, and I could get paid well to do that. That would be the most empowering way I could live. And so that was when I just jumped in. I love that. I want to go back to that sort of first introduction, which this is one of many conversations. We'll, we'll say um, magic was in the blood, perhaps, where we've had many people, myself included, that had an interest in magic and then discovered hypnosis and saw that it kind of filled in a gap there. I'm more curious about that first book. Was that something you were looking for? Was it actually a book on hypnosis or is it something that was perhaps on a different topic, but then randomly went, oh, by the way, here's hypnosis. It was a book on hypnosis. I don't recall the name of it. I wish I could because I'd love to you know, find it again and stick it in my library. But yeah, <laughs> I, I'm certain it was a book on hypnosis itself. Um, and it, it taught several things, but the biggest thing that I got from it was a progressive relaxation. Like that's the thing that I used throughout my life to, you know, to fall asleep or to calm down. Um, but other than that, I, I don't know what it was. And I found it, I'm sure I found it just from randomly looking through the library. It was a pretty small school. Uh, mm -hmm. I went to school in a high school that was a town of 700. So my class was 30. So there wasn't a whole lot of books in the library. And so you could just kind of look through them. And this one 
attracted my interest. Yeah. So then along that journey, was there another career path that you had been exploring up until hypnosis really officially showed up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I started out as a, a graphic artist and uh, did that uh, for about 15 years for some different some different styles of graphic art. Um, and then kind of came, I was in a really low point in my life where I knew things had to change for me. Um, and at that point I changed over to a more corporate, uh, type of job in, uh, in an organic food company, uh, and went into, uh, packaging regulations. Nice. Very exciting. Uh, and did that for about 15 years. And then that's when, uh, again, I was like, I, this is just, this is this job is sucking out my soul. I mean, good. I love the industry and everything, but it was corporate, and I am not really built for corporate. Mm -hmm. um, along that time, I started to get really interested in sideshow arts as well, and uh, trained with a, a mentor there. So, for the last part of that time in corporate, I was also doing performing a sideshow act for festivals. Oh, we got to spend the next uh, 45 minutes just on this now. <laughs> um, I, I know some in that world. Do you mind if I ask who the mentor was? Harley Newman. Oh, I know the name. He's, a, he's an amazing, uh, he started out as a clown. Yeah. And so he's got a whole different kind of take on what, what sideshow acts are all about. Very interesting guy. Okay. So for those that might not know what we're now uh, talking about, can you detail what that is? Yeah. So sideshow acts are, uh, so the difference between sideshow and magic is magic is all, all about sleight of hand and uh, sideshow arts are basically stupid stunts like uh, laying on a bed of nails. There's nothing sleight of hand about that. It's nail bed. Uh, <laughs> How do you do that? Well, you lay on the net of bed of nails. You just lay on the bed. <laughs> there's actually science behind it. Right. Yeah. Um, or eating fire. Again, there's nothing, it's not fake fire. I don't use mirrors. I, you know, you put it in your mouth. You just got to know how to do it. So they're, they're all a series of, uh, I think of them as stunts that, and they're really kind of stupid stunts that uh, are entertaining. But what's really interesting about it is I realized that part of what I was doing was uh, I, I, when I was stuck in my life and I was stuck by fear and mm. So what I was doing with the sideshow act, I was training myself to face different fears and then kind of pushing through them. And so the show kind of became about helping other people face their fears as well. What's really cool about that is this ability to use, and this is what got me into stage hypnosis and probably also what respectfully got me out of it, that it was that I was more so the hypnotherapist on stage that it was not the funny routine, it was what would the funny routine illustrate. And the same way you're talking about how the eating fire then translated over to a specific message to the audience. And I'm sure in some way, correct me on this, even to yourself? Absolutely. To myself, probably first and foremost. Yeah. So then is that something you still do at all? Or is that something that's kind of faded away? It's it's more or less faded away, although it's something that I enjoy doing, and I, I do it once in a while, pull it out for, for uh, <laughs> special occasions. Uh, I will leave out the story. I'll only hint towards it as a friend of mine who's in that world that someone finds out that he does that. And just in the middle of conversation at a rather fancy dinner, uh, black tie, 
he just picks up his wine glass and suddenly just bites a chunk out of it and starts <laughs> chewing and just continues the conversation. <laughs> these are these are our people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's that ability to uh, let's correlate that to perhaps hypnotic phenomenon that if we can accomplish this, it also means that. And linguistically, we're setting up a complex equivalence. Yet it's the use of hypnotic phenomenon in the process that really helps to set the stage for other big changes are possible in your world. So then along this journey, then connecting with a hypnosis trainer and already working a full-time career at that point, um, while at the same time putting fire in your mouth, uh, (laughs) what was kind of that... Hashtag new sentence. Uh, what was kind of that turning point where hypnosis officially then became a profession for you? Yeah. So I did the training, uh, mentored with with my my mentor for about a year, and uh, during that time, I started to you know I kind I had a a zero gravity chair in my car, mm-hmm. and so anywhere I would go that somebody was interested in experimenting with hypnosis, I would do that. Nice. I was working well, remote, but I was also going back to the office every other week. So I was spending a lot of time traveling, but I was also in that corporate job, uh, surrounded by lots of people who all kind of knew me. They knew my strange interests <laughs> and <laughs> they also trusted me. So I started working with a lot of those people to, you know, traditional things, quit smoking, um, deal with different kinds of anxieties and phobias. And, and so that's what I started doing was I would see them um, in the office. We had a wellness room in the office. So I'd go into the wellness room and we'd do hypnosis there after hours. And then I'd see them the next week remote because I was not there again. Uh, I was at my home. And then I'd come back the following week and we'd do a, a third session in the office. So that's kind of the process that I was using for most of these people. Um, but I also was able to then from week to week, I'd get stuck. Like, I don't know what to do. And so I'd talk to my mentor and he'd tell me exactly what to do. And then I could take that back to them. It it worked out really well to have that extended length of time to train. uh, And then also to kind of get the hints from my mentor. I did that for about a year, a year and a half or so. And uh, then I was certified. I, uh, I basically gave my job a six month notice that I was, that I was leaving and uh, my oldest or my youngest daughter was graduating high school. Like there was a whole bunch of things that were changing. So I didn't need to be there at all anymore. And so when that time was up, I had saved up some, some cash and I thought this is going to work out really well. And then I just jumped in. That's so cool. What's really admirable in that was, well, I'll, I'll explain it in a conversation that I recently had, which I'll generalize it here for obvious reasons. Someone had this extremely, let's say, flexible part-time job that he could work at as much as he wanted to, or he could work at as little as he wanted to. Basically, you know, he was in with the company well enough that they would post the open shifts the following week. He was a waiter and be able to just bid on, these are the ones I want. And if it was a week that he had other stuff going on, he could bid for less. And he was there saying, you know what, after I take the hypnosis training, then I'm going to quit this job and launch my hypnosis business. And I'm listening and going, okay, so that's option one. (laughs) Option (laughs) two is you've got this flexibility. And assuming that they're probably okay with you kind of juggling two things, as long as it's not getting in the way, why not get the hypnosis up and running? And when you hit this threshold point, 
you know, then it's time to make a decision. Yeah. And so there you were. And I love that you threw in the modifier of after hours, <laughs> uh, <laughs> pulling the zero gravity chair out of the back of the car, bringing it into that extra room. What, what were some of the issues you were helping people with then? Well, I started with smoking and that, you know, once I helped one person deal with that, then uh, she told a bunch of people. And from there, it started kind of uh, ballooning. And, mm -hmm. and at first I was just doing it for free, but I quickly asked, you know, I first, after that I said, well, just give me a gift if you think this was valuable. Nice. Uh, pretty soon I asked for a little bit of money and just quickly decided, no, I just got to get paid relatively well for this. Yeah. Was that a difficult transition or was that something that happened naturally? It just kind of happened naturally. Yeah. I think the, the history of having my performance was very similar where I started out uh, low prices to kind of get people to hire me. It was the same type of process where over time you just keep just adding on, uh, adding on to the, to your rate. Mm -hmm. Well, you brought up the, the concept of fear earlier. Would you say that it was early on and I, you know, good on you for putting in some sort of payment mechanism. I think this is an older story from Don Motten out of St. Louis that he had a neighbor who wanted to quit smoking and he absolutely knew the neighbor could not afford anything he would ask for to which it was, you know, whether or not the story's true as a side note to this, <laughs> it was that, you know what, those chocolate chip cookies you made me last Christmas, make me a batch of those and I'll work with you. Oh, mm -hmm. I'm heading to the store. I'll buy you some. No, it's gotta be the ones like you made last year. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I gotta ask, what were some of the gifts? <laughs> that showed up even though this may have been a small window of time yeah i still have a couple of them i got a set of nice ceramic bowls yeah um and then one of the clients that i worked with she made candles so she gave me a whole set of candles i love that <laughs> <laughs> would you say though and not to psychoanalyze here uh, would you say that that was you know in some part maybe the fear of getting started or just it seemed like a logical thing to do can do you mean uh, asking, As asking for a gift for rather than gift money, rather than gift rather than payment? Yeah. Well, I think it was partly like uh, I didn't have. They knew I didn't have any history, so they knew that I was brand new. Yeah. And yet, I you know I kind of explained to them that it works best when there's uh, when there's a give and take for both sides. Nice. And so it was really, it was kind of it was kind of that same uh, fear. Uh, get past the fear for me where mm -hmm. uh how do i start to ask for money well i'll just start by asking for a gift if they want to give me something and um, i only did it i think twice and then i just started asking for uh i think 50 dollars a session it was pretty 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 minor well it's, it's interesting that you know confidence really becomes that result of success repeated over time and when suddenly it's like well okay so here's all the people you've now clearly worked with in this career as a hypnotist and that's just what the rate is. And it's not new to you and embracing kind of where we are at any stage of the game then. So you mentioned stop smoking, uh, and, and this may be a different answer now. What tends to be the number one thing you tend to work with? What tends to be that, that specialty if there is one? Yeah, my specialty really is helping entrepreneurs stop procrastinating. Yeah. Like that's the main thing that I help them with, which really is about fear again. How how does that often show up, do you find? Uh, I find it shows up as there's a lot of anxiety that they're dealing with. There's a lot of perfectionism that shows up that kind of stops them from even getting started. 
probably the biggest one is anxieties, stress, just not knowing how to deal with that stuff. And so they, you know, they'll eat their stress or they'll, uh, do a, a whole lot of things, everything except for the thing that's going to actually matter <laughs> so that they don't have to deal with the the fear that they might not get it done right. Mm -hmm. Does that tend to show up in a specific, well, let me ask you this way. Is there a story that comes to mind of, let's say it's someone who is reaching out to you specifically because of the habit and yet then the session process went you know, into what really needed to be addressed? pretty much every time. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about, uh, yeah, I'll talk about uh, a, call, a, a client of mine who he, he came because he wanted to stop procrastinating. And he had very, very creative ways of procrastinating. Uh, he would be very helpful to everyone else in his life. So he would bring his wife dinner at her job or uh, pretty much anything to help somebody else so that he didn't have to sit down at his computer and, and do his uh, photography editing. That was mm -hmm. the thing that he, he was avoiding. It got to the point where he would see his computer and basically turn around and go do something else. Yeah. So there's lo lots of really easy ways to solve that one. So that's basically what we did. And uh, it, it re really reflected across his life in, in many, many different ways, as I'm sure you can understand and probably everyone listening understands that as well. Uh, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. He, uh, he recently just had a baby, so uh, oh, his wife had a baby, I should yeah. clarify, <laughs> and uh, has really stepped up so that he's actually working on the kind of creative projects that he wants to do now instead of avoiding those little things. Now, is this a specific category that you decided you wanted to go after, or is this one that over time you kind of found this is what you work the best with? I think it's, so it's a little bit of both. I, my, when I first started my business, I was really focused in on quitting smoking and, uh, to get started, I, I took your advice and I joined a BNI chapter. Oh, cool. So after I quit my job and I'm doing this for a few months, my savings had actually dried up and uh, things weren't quite as going quite as well as I had expected them to go. Uh, and a friend of mine who is a marketing guy, I was kind of telling him my woes and he said, well, why don't you just start going to all the different BNI chapters? Because if you don't know, uh, for if you're a BNI member, you can visit any other chapter as long as there's not somebody else doing what you do. And luckily, there's not a lot of hypnotists in BNI, so it's pretty no, wide no. open. <laughs> so I spent the next month to two months visiting three or four other chapters every single week and kind of giving them a little experience, using that performance aspect that I have to uh, to kind of help people before the meeting so that they talk about it during the meeting. Nice. And it worked really well to turn everything around. And what I found was I really liked working with entrepreneurs, especially creative ones, because really it's me. And uh, I like to help them get past those things that, that are in the way. Like it's the same thing that the same reason that I did the sideshow acts and push past the fear. So get past whatever is stopping you so that you can have that kind of life that you really want to have. There's something you just said that I think is a first here, which is that you were doing something before the meeting. Normally, I'd at this point, whenever someone mentions BNI, I'm like, okay, so let's shine the spotlight. It's all about that 
you know, 45 or 60 second commercial you get up and do, mm -hmm. yet you just said you were doing something before the meeting? Yeah, so this was this was the brainstorm from my friend. That, so anybody out there, this is a really great idea. I would go to, of course, this is when meetings were in person. They're mostly all on Zoom now. But I would go to the meeting and I would, first of all, I'd let them know I was coming beforehand. I'd email the president and say, hey, I want to visit your chapter. Is that okay? And of course, they <laughs> all want you to visit. So I, I'd come and I'd, uh, so they'd know a hypnotist was coming. I'd come and I'd meet all the people and I'd find out who was interested. Like some, maybe somebody would tell me, oh, they have trouble speaking or, you know, I would just find out who was interested and kind of ask him, you want to have a quick experience? And I do about a five minute process that I do where, you know, the fingers lock, the hands lock, and then I give them some positive suggestions around giving a good commercial so that, and then I ask them at the end, if, Hey, if you found this valuable, give me a shout out at the testimonial portion of the meeting. So that was what I did for all those times. And, um, probably half of the time I would get a shout out at the testimonial portion and they would nice. feel really confident when they were giving their presentation. That is so cool. That's a great way of doing that. And especially the nuance of, you know, connecting with the leadership of that other group and making sure it was known, uh, mm -hmm. which is also a polite way of <laughs> making sure there's permission to do so. Uh, that's great. That's great. So then at these meet, is the BNI something that you're still doing or is that something you've left behind? I'm still do it. I don't go to different chapters like that. I'm, I just kind of help the one that I'm in right now. What, what are some of the benefits you found from that uh, over the time? You know, clearly it's a stream to get clients yet. What, what has it done for your business or even your life on that? The biggest benefit for me being a, an import to the area is, and, and traveling and meeting all those different chapters, was I met a ton of people. I got to know the cities and uh, I've got, but even still like now, just having, the, having colleagues around you uh, that you get to meet with once a week is pretty invaluable. Cause you know, this is a, most often we're solopreneurs and don't really have a lot of people around us to engage with. So having that, that team, if you think of them like that, around you, it just it makes, a, it makes it more of a community. So then as the meetings have migrated online and like the two chapters previously that I was a member of when I was up in Virginia, uh, I believe as of now, the last conversation, that it was, well, we've moved it online and you know we think we're actually going to stay there because it's just become so much more convenient for people and we're producing the same level of business. When that group pivoted to online or e even nowadays, like has that changed the dynamic for you in terms of people being referred to you? It hasn't changed it a whole lot, but what has changed is as my business has grown, the like at first it was maybe 25% of my income was coming from BNI, which is pretty good. Now it's much less than that. It's probably still the same amount of referrals, but just because my income has grown, it's a much less percentage. Mm -hmm. And so at, I guess at first, probably the first half of the year, uh, when we went onto Zoom, it was pretty challenging. Um, then our, our, <laughs> our chapter was struggling. And then I got to be president for the next year. And so I know how to do online meetings and because I'm using Zoom all the time. So that really helped to kind of bring up the energy of the group. And uh, we're, 
doing pretty well now. We we do a we do a hybrid meeting once a month where we have a an owl camera, which is like a 360 degree camera. Oh, cool! So we can do it both online or in person, you, and you can get, have a similar experience. Experimenting with that, anyway. <laughs> which, which let's just kind of recap some of what you've talked about there. Which you know, finding a way to actually become part of the community. So it's not about being just the vendor who's trying to sell everybody something. It's about becoming that peer level. Also, you know, as B and I would say, visibility, credibility, yeah. profitability. Where the visibility and credibility, I'm sure, comes a whole lot more natural now in that presidential role, which is basically the conductor of the meeting. Yeah. Um, it's the vice presidents that actually do the most amount of work. I was seat. just going to say, I think the president is the easiest job. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the contractor who renovated the last office in Virginia, uh, they were tapping him to be vice president. And he, that's the role that basically is the tracking all the referrals and keeping everyone accountable. And he's like, if you want me just to swoop in and play Johnny Carson and read the cue cards, I can be president, but I, I don't have the bandwidth to do the other roles, which is why that chapter had three vice presidents. <laughs> <laughs> That's a smart move. Do you hear that knowing laugh, everybody? So yes, maybe avoid the VP position. <laughs> so, then, so then let's kind of dive in to the fact that, you know, here are the entrepreneurs that you tend to work with, and here's where procrastination or some sort of fear pattern may often be a big part of that, which that's a lot of the same clientele that I tend to see as well. Is there a specific, you know, mechanism beyond the BNI that's bringing that audience in for you? Interestingly enough, most of my clients come from Google ads. Yeah. And so I would say uh, the thing that happens is my website is set up to attract those kinds of people. Yes. It's not necessarily going to repel somebody else, but it's definitely going to attract the people that are an entrepreneur that's feeling stuck. Mm -hmm. And and so they hit the ad, they see my site, and then they connect with me. So I'd say probably 70% of who I'm seeing are entrepreneurs at one level or another. And and it's coming from pretty pretty much 90% from Google ads. Yeah, which right there, if you have a specific audience you'd like to speak to, Part of the strategy simply becomes, you know, create the media, create the content that reflects that audience, which that's why I launched a second podcast. That's why I launched a bunch of other things. Uh, in terms of the Google ad, is there a specific, you know, piece of messaging that you're finding that's driving that audience in? Well, I've got some, I've got three different ones. They're dynamic ads. Uh, I've got a couple different versions. And right now I'm finding the one that is asking questions is the one that seems to be the most hmm. effective. And it's questions like, are you tired of dealing with anxiety, uh, struggling with uh, fear? That's the sort of thing that seems to be working. But uh, otherwise, it's just kind of I've experimented over the years with lots of different keywords and, and lots of different because with Google ads, you have short little messages that you put together and then into a dynamic ad and and then it serves up what works best, just kind of mm -hmm. figures it out. Yeah, which all these platforms are continuously improving. And what you just said there reflects the fact that we've got to, we've got to test it. So let, let's dive into the user experience that now someone is responding to you. Someone's now going to work with you. Can you kind of walk us through what that, what that journey would typically be in terms of what's going to happen in the process? 
So I've got, I do a couple of packages. I do a six session package and a 12 session package. And the, basically the six session package is like the first half of the 12 session. Yeah. But it's also very variable. So from uh, my, my first session is usually very similar from client to client. And it's just really like about foundations and a lot of questions and just kind of getting those hot words, the keywords of what they want and, and what they don't want. Um, so I give them a bunch of tools. I walk them through some processes at the beginning, peaceful place. Uh, a lot of times I'll do a swish with them around their challenge. I want them to come out of that feeling like something's changed for them. And so that's kind of what I start with. Uh, I've also put together a, I call it a client portal that has, it's kind of like your, your program that has short little video snippets of these different tools that can interrupt that fear response and uh, a series of hypno, no, hypnotic recordings to support them so between sessions. So I might assign them different recordings from week to week or some other kind of task. But basically, there's a lot of ways that it can go from the beginning to the end. And it's very individual uh, per client. Uh, having said that, you know, there's only a, I shouldn't say there's only, there's a, there's a certain amount of processes and experiences that seem to work best. And, but I'm not going to necessarily do them in a particular order. Tell me if this paraphrase lines up. It's that there's, you know, a standard set of tools in the toolbox, but it's a matter of what sequence do you use them as always the customization. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So then what are, you mentioned like a swish pattern. I, I really appreciate the insight that you shared in terms of session one, which basically is that of let's get some kind of foot in the door. Let's mm -hmm. create some bit of momentum so that it's already there. What are some of those go-to tools in the toolkit? Well, I'm going to give a shout out to the intelligent hypnotist out there yeah. because they, <laughs> I did their training on HNLP and it, it, really changed how I work with clients in a powerful way. So having said that, I use a lot of the NLP tools uh, along with um, my original training was really about uh, parts therapy and uh, regression therapy. So a lot of times I'll use those. I use some of the things that I've gotten from you over the years as well, some real simple tools. Um, but the biggest things, the, the biggest things that I use are I, I'll use parts therapy. I'll use uh, a regression type of work that I got from from the intelligent hypnotist. Mm -hmm. um, I I like to use a mindscape from Mike Mandel. That's yeah. a really fun way to kind of help somebody when you're like, I'm not really quite sure what the right thing to do here. So let's do that, and it, and it works really well. I like I like the six step reframe. That's a really awesome way to bring people changes just from themselves and. For certain clients, I'll do the Swan. They they, they really love that because it's so it's so weird, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, and you know and kind of like they don't know what's going on, so it just really impacts them like that the subconscious is doing something there. Yeah, so I'm hearing a very interactive style of approach that, uh, or, or again, you're getting consistent feedback the entire way through. What makes the decision as to whether or not someone does the six session program or the 12 session program? I, so most of the time, if usually people are coming to me, they'll, t they'll start to tell me about their, their one problem. And then I dig in and I'm going to uncover everything that I can. So 
if I uncover that their one problem is really multiple things, then I usually just pitch them the 12 session package. And uh, if somebody is got like a phobia, then I'll usually just pitch them the the six session package. And if I, you know, pitch them the 12 and they're like, yeah, that's too much, then I'll offer them the six. Got it. So there, there's flexible entry points, yet easiest solution is they come in at the do six again, and then yeah. perhaps Sometimes they'll do that elevate again up again. to more work beyond that. Yeah. So then what's that, what's that point of the journey in your mind where let's say as I stole this term from a periodontist that I had to get a dental surgery years ago and he used a word and I'm like, I'm using that now where he looked at me and he goes, all right, you've graduated. You don't have to come back anymore. Just see your regular dentist. <laughs> so what's that, what's that usual marker in time where your clients then let's say graduate? I would, that's a, that's a good question. I'm going to say most of the time when we get to the end of our sessions together, they feel like they've graduated yeah. and, and we, and I kind of have a, I typically have a final session kind of wrap up that goes through everything that we've done and, and like lets them deal with whatever we didn't even deal with and send them on their way. And so usually it's kind of up to them. Like they'll, they'll know if, they want to if they're not done yet yeah. it's pretty clear to them if they're not done yet and um, there are some clients who who i'm not even going to offer we just heard everything you didn't say <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but for those that i think would benefit i would offer them up a new option yeah. and and i'm i'm always working on different things so i, I have some kind of ideas in the hopper on how to how to do that in a better mm -hmm. way and I'd imagine, well, you kind of just hinted at it that, you know, it, it's, I always stuck by the principle that the change environment is not the upsell environment, you know, however, it's where I may strongly suggest, of course, because that's definitely an option here, yet it comes around to, you know, really getting into the dialogue of just simply, hey, you know what, based on where you are right now, you know, you can continue working with the set of tools that I've given you and see these specific results, though. Uh, very often, that's, you know, simply why some people would choose to work a few more appointments. Um, you know, let's do this, you know, and we set a time, maybe three, four weeks out. If you get to that point, and you see that you're doing great with what I've shared with you, fantastic. It's easy to cancel the appointment, just, you know, give me the proper notice. Or if you get to that point and see that things still need a little bit of help, you're already on the calendar. Sound good? Mm -hmm. And it's that it's that finesse of giving the suggestion where necessary and not necessarily booking more appointments because we want to get paid for more appointments. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but instead, that continuation. I, now I have to ask, keeping it positive, is there a other reason why at times where you go, I'm not going to make that offer? If they're a pain to work with, then I don't really want to spend my time working with people that are a pain to work with. And so I don't offer it up to them. Now, when you, when you say pain, and I'll, I'll share mine first just to set the stage for this, you do something similar now to what I also do, which is that my clients get access to a library because I'm working with a specific business clientele. There's a whole training library they get access to, of which really one module is, is what they would need. And I mean, I can think of someone recently that, to his credit, is seeing some great results, yet it's consistently this one side issue to which I've said, 
I, I've got to say it at this point. There's a four minute video I keep reminding you of that you've not made the time to watch. And, you know, it, it's very clear that the resource is there. Uh, and I don't do well with that person. You know, that's where I can go to a coaching level to go, well, you know, let's schedule some time in your calendar. And I'll send you the email and it will automatically pop up at four o'clock when that's now scheduled because we put it in your calendar. I can, that's easy to do in every email platform. Um, it, that's that situation where I, I'm not going to keep pushing. If I want the change more than the client does is kind of my internal dialogue. In that one. Yeah, exactly. Which I'm imagining this is not the frequent issue. It's just that these are the stories that are a little bit more colorful and entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm curious. Let, let, let's ask it from a more positive angle. Is there a situation with a client that maybe surprised you by, you know, sort of reinvigorating the process and bringing them back into it? Yeah, well, I'll talk about someone recently who uh, she came to deal with different ang with anxiety, basically, and had uh, what was interesting about her was she is 50 years old. She was single and kind of always wanted to have a partner, but for whatever reason, couldn't. This is outside of the anxiety. She was just talking about this one of our sessions and was really tired of dating. The whole dating scene was just she was done with it. And so she would go into these dates already kind of feeling anxious, uh, having put a wall up and uh, looking for all the reasons why this was not uh, the right guy. So you can imagine how that would turn out. <laughs> and as, as she learned these different tools, one of the things that she told me was, why didn't I learn this in kindergarten? Because there are so simple things, such simple things to do. Uh, anyway, she she started practicing the tools, started going through the the work of the hypnosis together. And during the time, she had a date with some random guy and they hit it off. And she told me that she realized she had been open this time. So she hadn't been feeling anxious. She hadn't been shut down and she was just open and, and real with him. And he was the same way with her. So now they've had multiple dates and they decided that they're not going to see other people. So that was just a really kind of cool thing that happened that wasn't really what we were looking for, but maybe it was <laughs> what she was looking for. That's so cool. And it, it, like you said, where it wasn't necessarily the goal of the session, but that's kind of what came out of it as a result. It's what she was the most excited about for sure. Yeah. Well, what you also said, the way you are one place is also the way you are everywhere else. Uh, I, I think I nicknamed this years ago, residual trance effects uh, to make it sound bigger than it actually was. But the person who would come in and I quit smoking. Well, how's that going? Well, it's amazing. I've also quit biting my nails. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Or the fear of flying client who called me up in a panic and it's like, is everything okay? She goes, my fear of public speaking is also gone. Why are we rushing this? Why are we <laughs> whispering about this? <laughs> well, that's so cool. And especially this journey where it was an interest by a bit of a chance encounter and then a uh, journey into the sideshow arts and seeing at the end of the day, most of what we're doing is helping people move into confidence and out of fear. Uh, I I'm curious to ask, what are you the most excited about these days? Um, I'm excited about, uh, I love the kind of the business side. I'm probably a little different than a lot of people. I, I love the business side of this work and uh, learning the marketing piece. So I'm really excited about building up a team around me to, to make even more of an impact.
That's outstanding. Uh, so how can people get in contact with you? What's the best way they can find you? Uh, the best way is to go to my website, which is xfactorhypnosis.com. Outstanding. And uh, we'll link that over in the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com for those that didn't pick up the reference. Uh, intelligent hypnotist. Uh, internally, I call them the marionettes. <laughs> <laughs> catch that that's jess marion and sean and sarah carson we'll yeah. link to jess marion's uh various uh episodes on this show in the show notes as well all available to you at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 370 before we let you run here joshua any thoughts for the listeners out there i guess the last thing i'll say is uh if you're feeling any fear that's showing up for you that's a good sign that you're doing something right Jason Lynette here once again, and as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program, for sharing it in your ongoing dialogues at our incredible industry, and as well, reaching out to our outstanding guests. You can see how to connect with Joshua by going to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 370, and while you're there too, check out worksmarthypnosislive.com. If you want to have the skill set to help people to create phenomenal changes, if you want to be able to work interactively on the fly and customize to the person in front of you, if perhaps you're brand new or even already trained, but noticing there's some clear gaps inside of what you do, and perhaps not yet getting the consistent results you really ought to, we'd love to have you there. Check out the details, watch the welcome video, and grab your spot now over at WorksmartHypnosisLive.com. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. <laughs> <laughs>